Join us in our live Sunday service with Dr. Howard Hatcher. Listening to people to lead me that don't know how to live there. Can you hear me? Some people, they're capable of leading you where they've been, but it's difficult for them to lead you where they have not been. And so this, today I'm talking about places that some of you haven't been. You just, you just haven't been to those places. And I, I want to be able to show you today how to pass your test so that God gives you license to move in places you haven't moved yet. And you know where you say, God, I do want to move in those places. I feel like I'm, I'm born and destined to move in those realms and in those places. And, and how many of you feel like that that there are you 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 had movements in God, but somewhere a limitation came in in that movement in God, mm -hmm. and, and you said, "What, Lord? How do I get past that limitation? How do I get past it?" So those are the ones that I want to talk to today. Those who want to get past those limitations, but you got to learn how to run with the chariots of fire if you want to do that. That's good. So I, and so I want my team to help me a little bit. We're going to go back and forth to the the screen a little bit so have your finger on that sling a lot <laughs> running with chariots of fire now this morning as I was hearing God uh, to let me know what I was going to be speaking about this morning I said this morning he let me know what I was going to be speaking on this morning that's as I'm running out the door so I've been listening throughout the week God what God what he said I'm going to stop giving you things too far in advance I'm going to stop giving you things. I'm going to start giving you things at the last minute. That's how I gave it to Paul. He went from city to city. He went from ministry to ministry. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a lexicon. He didn't have a theosaurus. He didn't have a Nelson's Bible commentary. He didn't have any of those things that our run-tos and go-to, they didn't have that. But they had to learn how to walk with God. They had an old test. They had some parchments. They had the Pentateuch. They had the mitzvah. They had the different, uh, the decalogue. They had different operations that came out of the Old Testament parchment. But can I tell you something? When they said study the scriptures, study the scriptures, they weren't talking about a New Testament. It wasn't there. They studied the Old Testament and became formidable foes to the adversary in the realm of the spirit. They studied that book we don't like to spend much time in. They, they, they were, they buried themselves in Isaiah. They buried themselves in the writings of the prophets. They, someone say buried themselves. They became immersed. So when the apostle Paul says to Timothy, study, to show yourself approved of God. Were they talking about a New Testament or an Old Testament? They were studying the Old Testament, getting New Testament revelation. Right. That's what, that's what they wrote from. And we take their letters that they wrote and we turn that into the New Testament. So the revelatory operations of the Spirit is what caused them to go under great duress. It caused them to be... They were challenged by principalities and powers on every level. It was because of what they learned to operate in, the Spirit... And out of the mind of God. Can you hear me? See, there's the mind of God. You learn to operate out of the mind of God because we have the mind of Christ. And then you have the realm of the spirit. Now, the spirit realm mobilizes 
what comes out of the spirit realm mobilizes what comes out of the minds of the architects that govern levels of light and levels of darkness. Mm -hmm. How many of you believe the devil is behind the levels of darkness? Absolutely. I'm even good with that. Yeah. Do you believe he, he influences people to do things? Yeah. You, you don't become a Hitler. You don't become a Pol Pot. You don't become uh, uh, some of these architects of darkness without something in the spirit realm. You don't become a Mao you, without the architects of darkness influencing Right? They influence men's minds on earth. And those are principalities and powers that Apostle Paul talked about. They influence men's minds. And they, they, they mobilize in the natural things that are influenced from the supernatural. In other words, it's beyond natural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. Most believers, when they begin to penetrate layers and levels... In the earth realm, it's because something's been conquered in the spirit realm. When you begin to conquer things in the spirit realm and you hit up against a level, something times things come out of that level back at you. And, and you think sometimes it's natural, but really you haven't passed, many times you haven't passed the natural tests. Things that come out of that realm and they target the mind. They're after your solical architecture. They're after the architecture of your soul, your mind, your suke. Not psychic, suke. In the Bible, the Greek is the suke. What comes out of that realm governs the chariots. Every natural chariot has a supernatural inspiration. And, and, and God assembles his spirit realm forces to influence natural realm forces. We like to say we hold these truths to be that all men and we hold the Declaration of Independence and we hold the Constitution. We hold those as the greatest documents that were ever given to man with the longest running government on earth with our present form of republic form of government. How many of you can say amen? amen. But we believe this nation was birthed out of a, a thought out of the mind of God. Yes. That was given to flawed men. Yes. Flawed men that were riddled with, uh, some of them had realms of depravity. Yes. They were still into human subjugation at that point. Yes. Some of the forefathers were slave owners. They were still into human subjugation. And you say, how can you love God and be into human subjugation and still pin the words, we hold these truths to be self-evident <laughs> that all men are but yet you still got slaves and you still have babies with sla right. with the with the slave. Come on, these, these are found some of the founding true. fathers. True, true. See, but even though God uses flawed men like David, it doesn't mean that the inspiration is not pure. That's right. God uses coming, you can say amen if you hear what I'm talking about. See, we have a we have a history in the United States of making heroes as almost as though they were walking in perfection right. of flawed men. God uses anyone flawed. Anyone ever had flawed men in your family? How many of you really believe? How many of you believe that? All right. Tell your neighbor you talk about me right now. I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. See, and, and we elevate men to the point that we can't handle it when we have to really, in spirit and in truth, address their flaws. Yeah. 
And this has led to the, the revelational decadence of the hour. We have revelational impurity. We have revelational impurity. Revelations now by the great leaders are no longer checked. They're no longer balanced. They, there's no accountability systems around them. I don't mind. I'll, send, I'll, I'll get on the phone with Joseph Matera. I'll get on the phone with Bishop Mott. I'll get, on the, I'll get with uh, Dr. Jamie Gonzalez, who's a lawyer, and he also teaches like three classes at ORU. And we go doctrinal. We go revelatory. We go principled. Because if I can't pass the test of submission to man, I'm certainly not going to pass the test. And I'm talking about submission to man along the lines of principles. Then I'm not going to pass the test when it comes time to run with the chariots. Can somebody hear me? We take certain leaders. We take certain leaders and we make them icons. And we can't handle the truth about the flaw of their flesh. There are black leaders. Who are, who are, you, you, you take a, you know, W.E. Du, du Bois is considered yeah. a hero, right? Yeah. There are people, but, but he went along with Planned Parenthood and agreed with putting them in 70% of black neighborhoods. How can you, as a minister, be a champion of genocide? in cooperative agreement with the very woman who worked with the KKK as a matter of record. <laughs> this same woman not only worked with the, somebody tell me her name. She, she, her, her idea of the yellow school bus was not the same as yours. <laughs> Margaret Sanger's own record is saying we've got to figure out how to get the black leaders involved and championing our cause to of genocide against black people. Infanticide. Infanticide ultimately leading to genocide. Kill the babies. Because she felt they were an inferior race. She's on record as saying that. And they need to be exterminated. They need to be weeded out. But how can we do this? And in her letter, she says, we got to get the black leaders on board. Here comes W.E. Du Bois. And even though he's a, a civil rights champion in some areas, we, we, like, to, we, like, to ignore the, the, we like to ignore the fault in our stars. Yes, we do. That's right. And God is saying that if you want to walk with me in those high realms, then you're going to have to not put any human being above me. I have to be God all by myself, and you have to make an allegiance to me and my word above men. I believe that the United States, for all of its flaws, is the greatest nation on the face of the planet. And I believe that the God Constitution and the Declaration of Independence ought to be preserved forever to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that every citizen ought to fight, be ready to live, fight, and die to preserve those documents till the come on till Jesus comes. How many of you can give God a praise if you believe that? But God will not respect me if I yield. To the frailty of men above the providence of God. God will not respect me if I yield to the frailty of men above the providence of God. I've got to maintain my stand that if it's in Ahab, I've got to speak the truth. 
in love. It doesn't matter if it's Peter and you got to be Paul and speak the truth in love. It doesn't matter. See, God loves that about a man. He loves that about a woman. He loves that when a husband and a wife, I'm sorry, baby, I'm not going to back you to death. But you've got some people that even when you're wrong, they'll still nod their head. Because their loyalty on human levels is stronger than their loyalty on divine levels to the spirit of truth. But I won't be that person. I won't be that person. God is calling. How many of you can say amen? Amen. Yeah, I know I'm out there somewhere. I'm trying to get off slide one. <laughs> See, and that's why some people will never be a Paul. Because you hold Peter because he walked on water in such high esteem. You'll never be a Paul. You'll, 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 you'll never be a Samuel. Because Samuel had to go and have an honest in, a conversation out of spiritual integrity with Samuel. With, with Eli. Can you imagine having to go talk to Eli out of the word of the Lord and then have your mentor Eli teach you how to have that conversation with God that's going to bring back the word to you about Ichabod the glory of the Lord has departed come on man see and, and some of us you're paralyzed by titles and when you're paralyzed by title, then Jesus' title as King of Kings and Lord of Lords has now taken second place. The preeminence of flesh will never gain you respect in the courts of heaven. The preeminence of flesh will never gain you respect in the courts of heaven. And God needs to know that just as he says in James, just James was very walk with the Lord. He said, look, if you have respect to persons, it's not of God. Don't take the person with the gold ring and, the, and put them on the front seat and put the smelly person on the back seat. He said, you become judges and respecters of person. God says, I want equity. I want balance. I want justice. And I want true judgment in my house. But we're still caught up in titles. We're still caught up in the preeminence of the flesh. Your flesh doesn't impress me. What presses me is when you reach into the realm of the spirit. And you're able to tap into the mind of God. And then shall we obey God or shall we obey men? And you make your righteous stand from a place in integrity in the spirit. Yes. Amen. How many of you want that to be you? Would you say amen? amen? Then you're in the right place today. Running with chariots of fire to the sound of war. Now, everyone doesn't want to run to the sound of war. I'm going to tell you right now. You can't even defeat your alarm clock. You can't even defeat your alarm clock. You know how many people I get to say they want me to disciple them, pastor them, uh, train them for ministry? I'm like, yeah, give it three months. I really feel God telling me this. Well, sit in my office and tell me that. Amen. I said, yeah, I'm going to give you about three months till you weed out. 
And I'll give you a good amount of time off the bat on a PC. Uh, and then they'll, 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 we'll go to IHOP, we'll go to uh, uh, Cheddar's, Cheetars. Fish Daddy. Yeah, we'll go to Fish Daddy's. And I'll give you some time. And then there's that point when the first straight thing I say to them, bam, you gone. I'm like, yeah, that was your test. You, you're not ready to deal. You know, I want Paul to disciple me. No, you don't. You don't want to be a disciple by Apostle Paul. He told Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And oh, by the way, your grandmother had faith. And your mother had, now you're playing the dozen. <laughs> Talk about, I got a spirit of fear, but my mother and my grandmother had faith. Go read it. That's what he said. He said, let me bring up your grandmother while you don't trying to be ashamed of me. you to disciple me. I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> Not everyone is made to run to the sound of war. To the sound of the war. Just hear it. Some people just hear it. And go, oh no, I'm going the other way. When I was young, I was dumb. You hear a gunshot, and here we go. Me and my friends, we run to the gunshot. And was anybody dumb like that when you were young? Raise your hand, tell the truth. Yeah, so he said, no, no. Yeah, we were at home one day and we heard pow, 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 pow. And in my house, where we were from, someone in my house said, shoot him again. And we're like, pow, pow. Said, shoot him again. We heard pow, pow. So that tells you a little bit about how I was raised. So here we are, kids. I'm like 14 years old. I go running out the door. Not an adult stopped me. I go running out the door to the sound of it. And I watched the OK Corral shootout. Right in front of me, boom, 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 boom. And when someone got hit and fell down, and I walked over as the other car fled away. I'm talking about a bunch of people. It was just a shootout. And I watched over walking, a blood bubbling out of a man's chest. Wow. But see, God will take what other people don't understand and he'll forge a man and make you aware of and understanding of what it means to run to the sound of war. Everybody can't be a green beret. Everybody can't be a marine. Everybody can't be an army. Everyone can't be a navy. Everyone can't be an airman. Everyone can't drop behind enemy lines and go to the sound of war. They don't have the heart for it. They don't have the courage. They want to be a David, but they're running from Goliath. You can't be a David running from the sound of war. Whose voice is this? I hear. Coming against the army of the living God. So how many of you know, go read your Bible. It says David ran towards Goliath. Can't anybody ready to run towards the sound of war? You, if you're going to be David, you got to be ready to run towards the sound of war. You're the, the sound of pain. You don't like the sound of pain. But what used to repel you now draws you because you got the answer. Yes. The weapons of your warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. So running with chariots of fire. Char chariots represents higher levels of governmental war movement. We wouldn't be in the shape we're in as a nation if we understood this. If the church understood this, chariots represent higher levels of governmental war movement. Jeremiah 12, 5. If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how will you contend with the horses? 
And if in the land of peace, wherein you trust, they weary you, how will you do in the swelling of the Jordan? When your biggest issue is that they ran out of your favorite item at Walmart. <laughs> your biggest issue is that your hairstyle has put you off another month because they're so busy. Your biggest issue is they lost your application and you've got to fill out another one. In the land of peace. If in the land of peace you. I don't know if I can do it another day, man. If that girl at work talk about me one more time, I'm going to introduce her to the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and the teacher. The fivefold ministry is going to be her reward. And God is like, you better let all that nonsense go. You have failed. The high art of movement in the realm of the spirit means that you've got to get to the point where you're not wearied by these low-level engagements. If you learn to walk in the spirit, you're going to deal with carnal creatures all the time. And if you're married with one, get used to it. <laughs> you just pray them through it. <laughs> Say, Pastor, I've been praying a long time. <laughs> so you just pray that carnal creature. Don't don't come talking to don't come to me talking about well, can I get out of it? No, you married them. <laughs> I did your wedding. Until death do you part. <laughs> so you already know what I'm gonna say. If you ran with the footmen and they wearied you, how are you going to deal with horses? So the horses is a higher level of movement. The, high, the horses come in and people on horses, they even get paid more. I have a friend who was an extra in the movies. You know, so you always see at the movies and you have all these extras and that they will assemble an army. Well, if you were on the ground, you got one level of pay. But if you were on a horse in the movie, you got $300 a day. Well, $150 a day? A three, where's my horse? <laughs> so he said, but the Bible is declaring, can everyone see in Jeremiah 12, 5, if you ran with the footman and you're wearied, that's one level. How are you going to deal with the horses? He's saying that the level of ground warfare, the level of ground engagement, if you're practicing going to higher places in God, you can't keep getting worn out over the ground level. Amen. I can't believe what they said to me. I can't believe what... We've got to get to the place where we say, Lord God Almighty, I'm going to stop responding by the flesh and start listening for your spirit to tell me what the response should be. Come on. That's how you start winning. Can you hear me? That's how you start winning. You refuse to allow someone else operating in the flesh to pull you into the flesh. You just say, somebody say, I'm going to stay in the spirit. 
Because when you deal with horses, it means the elements and the structures of warfare are higher and will run over you. So if you're wearied on ground level, you better stay as far away from horses as you can. 1 Kings 19.1, Ahab told Jezebel all Elijah had done. What are we talking about today, by the way? What's my, what's my sermon talking about? Oh, chariots of fire. I, I hope you're doing a, a tight one today. Yeah, chariots of fire. Thank you for putting me back on the right track. Like I didn't know. That was a test. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. He's just killed 850 prophets. He slew them with the sword. So all of the prophets of the groves and that sat at Jezebel's table, all of them are dead. Elijah separated their upper extremity from their lower extremity. Amen. What type of man is he? Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also. Read this out loud with me, please. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So notice she puts a moratorium on a limit on it. I'm going to get you and it's going to be by tomorrow. Man, when people start giving you those type of threats, that's a something to take notice of. Now that what he does is takes off running. He's called down fire three times. He calls down fire and burns up two regiments of army, army men. How many of you read that? He called down fire and burned up a, a quadrant of soldiers. He does it twice. And then in the contest of fire, he calls on heaven and burns up the offering. God burns up the offering. He's called fire three times. He's raised the dead, made it not rain for three and a half years until he said, gave rain permission to come again. All she says is, I'm coming to get you. And you're going to be dead by the bar. He's, uh, he forgets all about power over the elements. He forgets all about resurrection power over life and death. And he goes, oh, she's going to get me. And he takes off running. That's all it took. So we see the first chariot of fire. God said, I got an answer for you. It's going to come to pass as they still went on. There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So this is the first time we see in the Bible a chariot of fire, 2 Kings 2. And Elisha, who's walking with his mentor, is allowed to see this event. How would you feel if you walked out into the parking lot and all of a sudden you see this fiery chariot some coming out of the sky, land in the parking lot and pick up Pastor Mark? <laughs> I, you know, and, and it was, notice, notice that chariot of fire divided that prophet from his mentor, Elijah and Elisha. In other words, Elisha is not able to go where Elijah is about to go. Elijah has a future meeting that he needs to be alive for on the Mount of Transfiguration. He shows up with Moses where? On the Mount of Transfiguration having a conversation. In other words, the chariot of fire says, 
it's not over. I just need to carry you to a place where there's about to be another level of movement and you're going to have a, a meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the Mount of Transfiguration and you're going to have a glorified body and the Bible said you're going to talk about the Lord's departure from the earth and the settling of Israel. Go back and read it in the book of Luke. It said they're going to have a, they were having a conversation about the Lord's uh, departure. Man, wouldn't you like to be called into that conversation about what Jesus is getting ready to do, what Israel is about to do, what God's about to do? That was the conversation. Elijah is moved to a higher level of conversation. He's now not talking about what Ahab is going to do and what Jezebel is going to do. He's talking about what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is doing and how he's positioning nations for the, etern the eternal future of Israel. Give God a praise. That's, that's the conversation you want to be in. So Elijah saw it, and notice he says, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horses thereof. And he saw him no more. Took his own clothes, tore them in two pieces. He grabs the mantle of Elijah. He walks over and he smites the water. So we first saw the chariots of fire. But notice in 1 Kings 19, and the Lord said to him, he said, I quit. Elijah said, I quit. Now I'm backing up just a little bit. Jezebel said, I'm going to get you by this time tomorrow. Right here in 1 Kings 19, you see the Lord talking to Elijah. And he says, look, I accept your resignation. This is one of the first cases in the Bible of we see ministerial suicide. This is ecclesiastical self-termination. We call this, this, this is ecclesia self-termination. Men are... Thousands of ministers are leaving the ministry every month. Ecclesiastical self-termination. Right here you see it in the Bible. What is making men leave in those numbers and by those droves? There's a spirit loose. Attacking the minds of ministers and leaders and missionaries with such force that they are retreating. The body of Christ hasn't even won the foot level warfare. How are they going to deal with the chariots of horses when Jezebel comes after them? Elijah ran. And it's at this point that God says to him, they have, God doesn't show up in the earthquake. He doesn't show up in the fire, but he shows up in a still small voice. And notice what God says. Go return your way, Elijah, to Damascus. When you come, I want you to anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you will anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your room. Now, I want you to notice the sequence here. Divine justice. These men are only pulled on the scene. I want to bring it up in today. I'm, I'm actually talking about today. I, this sermon is about today. This sermon is about the, con the, the configuration of the nations. This sermon is about the configuration of the nation. The nations, the nation. It's about the configuration inside of your mind. It's about the configuration of your own spirit. Your own architecture of your soul. Notice that divine justice from God prophetically establishes through Elijah three anointings on two levels. He tells Elijah the prophet, he says, I want you to go anoint Hazael. That's one level. The prophet is told to anoint the king. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, anoint him. 
give him my power to do this at the kingship level as king over Israel. And then I want you to anoint Elisha to operate in the realm of the spirit. Some people break off too soon and they don't get the inheritance. Their mind's not fully configured. Divine justice through, not through a, a, a king, divine justice prophetically established through Elijah, three anointings on two levels. Do you know which level of anointing you're dealing with? The prophetic sword through Elijah anointed and established the ruling sword of civil government. Can everybody see that? Haziel and Jehu were anointed as kings and that civil government. The prophetic sword gave them their civil sword. The word of God says that rulers are not a terror to good works. And they bear not the sword in vain. How many of you read that? It said they don't bear the sword in vain. So civil rulers bear the sword of authority of civil government. They don't bear it in vain. That's what the scripture says. But watch this. The moment the prophetic sword enters, I want you to notice God's language. It will come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha. I thought Elisha was a prophet. I thought Elijah was a prophet. I thought his job was to interpret the divine mind of God and just prophesy into the earth. What many believers don't understand is that when you begin to operate in the realm of the spirit, God's anointing comes on you. He's giving you that anointed sword of the spirit. It says in Ephesians 16, 6, says 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and... God said every believer ought to make sure that you take the sword of the spirit. Now I want you to look at the S there. According to the Bible, is that a capital S? So who is that talking about? Holy Spirit. Every time a prophet spoke in the Old Testament under the inspiration of God, we have this thing in theological circles where we call that the inspired word of God. And is it worthy of being canonized? And every word of God is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Because it's inspired of the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's not Ezekiel's word. That's God's word. God thought it. God thought it. Ezekiel opened his mouth and the spirit of God spoke it. God thought it. Ezekiel opened his mouth and the spirit of God spoke it. So when the Bible says take the sword of the which is the word of God. It means take the sword that the spirit uses. Yes. So some people don't even know the spirit of God has a sword. Here it says take the sword that belongs to the spirit. Which is the word of God. So when God wants to get something done. Through his spirit, Jesus said the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. When he's come, he's going to speak to you. He's going to bring things to your remembrance, whatever I, the word made flesh, have said unto you. So the spirit of God is looking to see if you have the word of God. 
And then the Spirit of God is searching right now in this room. He's searching every believer to see how much word is in you. Because when it comes time to deal with something, the Spirit is going to reach inside of you, pull it out. You're going to open your mouth and begin to deal with it in another realm. Can somebody hear me? You've got to begin to deal with it in another realm. You've got to begin to deal with it from the ruling realm. If you believe that, we just say amen. So what this means for us is find the mind of the Spirit for the moment and be ready to go and flow. Find the mind of the Spirit for the moment. And be ready to go and flow. Now, I wasn't always good at this part. I wasn't. I was really terrible at this part. And the devil was setting me up all the time. I was set up on Monday, set up on Tuesday, set up on Wednesday. Because I didn't know how to find what God wanted to do. Somebody say right now. Right. What does he want to do right now? Can you be walking through the day and all of a sudden you hear from the Lord and he says, don't do this, do this. Yes do this and you don't even understand the reason why but you just got to learn how to go with the mind of the spirit don't be like me a long time ago you can be like more like me today but not like a long time ago because i used to argue with god i tell god what the mind of the spirit was and one time god said hey there's something wrong with that plane tell the man next to you i said god what's wrong with that plane and I'm not telling the man next to me. And I'm standing in line, and the plane door is right there. Literally, literally we're like 15 yards, getting standing in line, getting ready to walk up on the plane. We're on the tarmac. And God said, there's something wrong with the plane. Tell the man. I don't even know this man. I'm not telling him that. And I got on the plane. And I'm sitting there, and the plane takes off. I'm at 30,000 feet. And then they come across the intercom and say, we're having to turn around and go back to the airport. Please buckle your seatbelt. And I said, God, I'm upset. <laughs> and even before they said that on the intercom, while the plane was taking off, I said, God, I have a problem. This seatbelt is not going to help me. I'm, saying, I'm buckling my seatbelt. This seatbelt's not going to help me. <laughs> and then I got up in the air. <laughs> and they said, we're having to go back to the airport. We were trying to get out of Texas airspace. Now we're trying to make it back to the airport. Then the pilot came on and said, we are having mechanical difficulty. People started breaking down right there. They started crying. There's like some nuns over here on this side. They started praying. They went into deep intercession. And so me, I'm hot as a firecracker. God, I'm not supposed to be dying in a plane crash. And I don't like, and then, then I said this to God too. I said, and, and posthumous authority, I don't, posthumous influence, I don't like that. Posthumous means after you die, they want to give you the award. You know, after Heath Ledger was dead, when he played in Batman, after he's dead, then they want to come and give him an Academy Award. What's Heath going to do with it? <laughs> and so I had this knockdown, drag out comedy. God, I don't like this. Finally. Now people want to read, oh man, this guy was anointed. Do you read what he preached? And now people are looking, do you have any more of those sermons? I'm like, no, I don't want to die to have value increase. Uh -uh, no, no, I don't want to have, I don't want to die to have anything increase. No, I want to die so the spirit, well, I want to die to the flesh so the spirit increase. But I want to live a little bit longer, okay? I still got some places we want to go. <laughs> Is that real enough for you? So when we, when the plane, we praise God, I, play, I prayed that plane back in. 
I prayed that plane back into a safe landing. That's when you get real. Okay, God, I'll listen next time. I don't care what plane it is. If you say don't get on it, I ain't getting on it. See, that was my lesson. Can somebody say, did you learn your lesson? Yes, I learned my lesson. God, if you... Wherever you say go in the moment, I'm going to be ready to go and flow. I don't need to learn another lesson. He's like, this is critical. You're dealing with life and death situations, your life. <laughs> and then we landed, and I told this guy beside me that I was supposed to tell on getting on the plane. I said, you know, God spoke to me getting on that plane. I don't even know this man. And told me something was going to happen. That the plane was, uh, something was wrong with the plane. He said, and you didn't tell anybody? And then when we got in the elevator, all these people from the plane, because they grounded the plane, put us in a hotel overnight. When we got into the airplane, this man, this stranger said, this man knew. He's a preacher, and he knew something was wrong with the plane. And people in the elevator, strangers like, and you didn't tell anybody? I was like, Jonah, I'm in charge of this thing, God. Uh, well, I was like Jonah. I'm not anymore. So what about this sword-bearing Elisha? This is a prophetic anointing. What about this Elisha? It's a sword-bearing prophetic anointing. God is calling you to operate in the spirit. It's a sword-bearing prophetic anointing. Now, Elisha inherits Elijah's anointing, and he prays, and he says, God, open his eyes so he can see. And God opens the eyes of Gehazi, his servant, and they're surrounded by an army of chariots. An army of natural soldiers is on the ground, has come to kill the prophet Elijah. So here's my question. What did Elisha attract? Come on, somebody. What did Elisha attract? Sometimes what you walk in attracts higher levels of government movement. So you might be a Trump, and you might be a, 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 a Mike Lindell, and you might be a, and you might be a, and it can go both ways. Can, you, can I tell you something? All of a sudden, you come under scrutiny. All of a sudden, they want to paralyze your assets. All of a sudden, people want to look at ways that they, 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 they do opposition research. And they dig in your trash man. They're your trash can. They, that opposition research means that, that your enemies put on a frogman suit. They dive into God's sea of forgetfulness and drag out every ugly, nasty, dirty, twisted thing you've ever done. And then they use it as fodder. That is the art of warfare. you got to have thick skin to have someone exploit all of your past. That's why everybody can't do it. That's why God has to weed through a billion men just to find one who will run with the chariots for the cause of righteousness. But Elisha is that man. He's like, I know it's in the spirit realm now. I was out there with my mentor and the chariots of fire came down and picked him up. I know it's in the spirit realm. And I know the king has sent his army to come and get me. But let me just tell those walking with me just a thing. Can I just tell those walking with us just a thing? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because it looks like it's only two of us, but there be more with us than there be with them. Sometimes the glory is not in the multitude. 
And God opens his eyes and he sees a whole round of chariots of fire all around the enemy. And they got a great victory that day because God stepped in and intervened. There are chariots of fire. But I want you to know something. Deborah is dealing with this man. Named Barak. <laughs> this is some Brenda stuff. Deborah is a prophetess. How many? Raise your hand if you know about Deborah. Deborah. Yeah, Deborah. She's a bad man. She's a bad man. Oh, yeah. And Judges 119. In Judges 119, the Lord is with Judah. Give me five minutes up there on that clock, please. No, seven. And the Lord was with Judah. Watch this. Now, who did God give the land to? Now, Moses got canceled. Children uh, of Israel. Who led them into the promised land? Joshua, right? Now, who asked for the mountain? Caleb said, that's my mountain. Give it to me. God promised, right? So it's in this moment they get into the promised land, and everyone's getting their inheritance. It's being divided. But the Lord is with Judah, and God drove out the inhabitants of the mountain. But what does the Bible say? Read verse 119, the last part out loud with me. But could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Because they had chariots of iron. All right, so now, guess what? The children of Judah, they don't have chariots of iron. Their enemy does. And the Bible says they couldn't drive them out. God was with them. Does the Bible say here, the Lord was with Judah? Yes. But they had limited victory. Yeah. In the natural, the enemy had another level. And they were, so they were forced to coexist with the enemy right there. Have you ever battled something and you couldn't move it? You just had to deal with it for a long have you ever had people attached to you, you just wish they'd go away? Am I being too real right now? Have you ever had people, I'm not talking about your husband or your wife, have you ever had people outside your marriage that you just wish they'd go away? I'm like, Jesus, please give them another assignment. Have you ever been on a job, you just wish, God, when is this assignment going in? And the enemy is right there. It's in your family. Come over. Every... Anyways. And, but you can't drive them out. And I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. And they just won't go nowhere. Man, there aren't you, know, you you tried to offend them out. <laughs> you 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 made sure you forgot to serve them when it came to certain meal time. You just you just tried everything, but it didn't work. But they had chariots of iron. But notice in Judges 4, the children of Israel said, okay, we get it. Now if you go back to verse 1 in chapter 4, it says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord was allowing the chariots because they weren't doing right. So, but God had an answer for the chariots. It was a woman, not a man. You know, which is interesting. Can I give women a plug all over the nation right here? No disrespect, men. But when Jesus had died the worst cruel death of any human being, 
all of the brave, bold apostles of note and record and honor were in a prayer meeting instead of at the tomb on the third day. They knew there were soldiers there armed with swords. So they said, we need to go pray. Hallelujah. I know Jesus said he was going to get up on the third day. Dare we go out to meet him? Oh, God. I don't feel led to go meet Jesus at the tomb. I know he said he's going to get up. Shh, that's, that word's for you, not for me. But there were some women who said, I'll take that word. And they showed up at the tomb. They were the Deborahs of Jesus' hour. They showed up. And they said, where have you taken my Lord? Does anybody want to know where your Lord is at? He's moving in the realm of the spirit. Yes, he is. Will you go out to meet him? And they said, he's risen. They come back preaching the gospel message. They were the first one to preach the resurrection. He's risen. It wasn't men who preached the resurrection first. It was a group of women. Those were the Deborahs of Jesus' hour. Are there any Deborahs in this hour? And you got some well-meaning man. You need to be quiet because women need to stay in a woman's place. I'm not even going to say how dumb I was. Yes, I am. I was so dumb, I thought I was doing something slick in my teenage years, barely graduating from high school. And I used to walk around at school and say, the only thing a woman needs is a chain that goes from the kitchen to the bathroom. Oh. And I'd say it just to get everybody's bun up in the way. Man, every, every girl in high school, man, the word spread. I, I was a straight caveman. Pastor Cindy made, married a caveman. But can I tell you something? I'm a God man now. You don't see a chain? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I got rid of that chain in the garage. So I would say things like that just to get a rise out of people. I don't say stuff like that anymore. Not even playing. Because there might be a Deborah in the room. <laughs> And Deborah judged Israel, and she told Barak, I'll go fight with you, but only if I get, you can't get the credit for it if I go fight. You got to let me get the credit. You can't take it. Anyway, moving right on. Sometimes the devil sends his chariots after you. The Egyptians pursued the children of Israel. But God sent his angels to rip the wheels off the chariots. The Bible says that the wheels just fell off. Sometimes God will rip. Let the devil. So when you start moving at the level of the chariots, just stay in the spirit. And God will rip the wheels off of the chariots of every Pharaoh in your life. It says in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. Just hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle. Sometimes you can't fight with words. You got to hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle. And then they cried out, and the Lord said, why are you crying to me? He said, Lord, the people are crying. 
Pharaoh's coming. God said, why are you crying to me? What did I put in your hand? Stretch out your hand over yeah. the sea and divide it. You divide it. Yes, yes. Some, some of you have some things that God has put in your possession. It'll divide the sea. It'll make this divide from that and make a way. Somebody give God a praise. God is putting the weapon of victory in your hand. But it's a prophetic work. It don't make sense a rod would open a seat. But what God gave you will. He said, why are you crying? We're closing right now. Why are you crying to me? Lift up your rod. Stretch it out. And divide it. God was bringing them from their captive past to a pregnant present. Right now you're in a pregnant presence. What do you say about it? They were looking backwards and saying, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. God said, you're saying the wrong thing. You ought to be saying, my God is coming. He's about to step into it. And God's going to do a thing. Please stand to your feet. My God's going to do a thing. Somebody tell your neighbor, my God's going to do a thing. And he's going to use me to do it. He's going to use my mouth. Thank you. You can turn, put it on the first screen. God is now dealing with you about coming on up to your next level of movement. God is dealing with you about moving with chariots of fire. I was in Zurich, Switzerland, and there was a CIA agent standing in front of me. And he had called me and said, I need to see you. And I went and met with the active CIA agent. He controlled two bank accounts. Sometimes when a government needs to do something that it can't do, as the government, it has people placed all over that do those things for them. And I had just left the meeting with the Pentagon. And the man looked at me. Look, give me that one that I, that first video sound that I gave you. That man looked at me and he said something that I will remember forever. He said something to me that caused a shift inside of me. And the reason was, you don't know what God is causing others to see about you. You don't know, tell your neighbor you don't know, what God is calling others to see about you. God is causing others to see something about you. You keep talking about what you see in the mirror. You keep talking about what you see in the mirror when you look at yourself. And God is saying, I see something different. You see a shepherd, but I see a king. You see a slave named Joseph, but I see a prime minister. You see a little girl, 
who's going to be the shame, but I see a bearer of kings and she'll give birth to the Savior. God says, change your language about yourself. This man looked at me. CIA agent. He's a very tall man. Very big man. All I did sixteen years ago, all I did was handed him a piece of paper. He took that piece of paper, got on his private jet, flew to another country, met with the leader of that country, surrounded by men with weapons, and the CIA agent took out his own big 45 and laid it on the table. Let's now have the meeting. And after the meeting, he came, I passed my test of dealing with chariots a long time ago. Mm. And he came back from that meeting and he told me what the outcome was. What I was dealing with at that time would shift the balance of power between the United States and Europe. That's why government authorities from every secret service agency began to call from multiple nations. Mr. Hatcher need to see you. Statute of limitations has run out, so I can talk about it now. <laughs> Come on, give God a praise. He came back from that meeting, and he told me. He just looked me in my eyes. There were other people present, and he got closer. And he got closer. And pretty soon, he was this close into my eyes. And he just looked at me. And he said, I see fire. He said, I see fire in your eyes. God allowed him to see indomitable determination that was put there by almighty God. Not a Goliath in hell can overcome my God. You gotta be determined like David. You gotta be determined that there is none greater than your God. And you're on assignment by the almighty God. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? Anybody feel like the devil has challenged your end? Of, you remember when you used to have that indomitable? You used to make your mind up for God and nothing could stop you. How many of you feel like that's what the devil challenged this last round? Yes. Raise your hand if you feel like what well, the devil challenged that. I just declare today you get that back. You get that Deborah edge back if you're a woman. And if you're a man, you get your David edge back. Sometimes God needs you. You need to hear God let the enemy know who you are. They talked about Gideon in their camps. They said, this is Gideon. And Gideon said, I'm Gideon. He didn't even grow a backbone until the enemy talked about him. He's got two fleeces, an encounter with the Lord, and he still doesn't grow a backbone until he hears the enemy talk about a barley loaf rolling into the camp. Come on, close your eyes and pray. As you raise your hand, my prayer is this. Don't raise your hand till you're ready to receive from God Almighty. Father, my prayer is that everyone 
who raises their hand in the name of Jesus, that they will get their fire. And it'll be a fire to run with the chariots. There'll be a fire to run with the chariots. There'll be a fire to do the will of God without apology. David makes no apology for what he does to Goliath. He makes no apology for standing on the word of the Lord. He makes no apology for standing in the will of Almighty God. Father God, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Father God. I've been apologizing to people for what you told me to say. And from now on, I will not apologize for the word of the Lord. And Father God, if this is a day that you've ordained your servants to go into the heart of the battle and move to another level, my answer is, Almighty God, my answer is, yes, in the name of Jesus, my answer is yes. I hear the Spirit of God say, be ready to fight again, be ready to pray again, be ready to deliver again. I don't care how many miscarriages are in your past. You're pregnant right now. With the will of Almighty God. I don't care how many abortions of purpose are in your past. Are you ready to fight again? Are you ready to go again? I don't care what preacher let you down. I don't care what preacher let you down. Are you ready to fight again? I don't care how many times you got it wrong. There are those of you, you're listening to me. And God, I really know, I really sense, I feel like God is saying, you went through let down after let down after let down. But God is trying to tell you, don't retire, refire. Yeah. Don't give God a praise, don't retire, refire. Don't retire, refire. Give God a praise for your own. Your own re-enlistment. I'm not backing up. I'm not standing down. I'm standing up for the cause of the living God. I was taken out at low levels of warfare before, but I'm coming on up. How many of you were taken out at low levels of warfare? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Wave at me if you were taken out by low levels of warfare. But see, God is saying, see this, I heard this on the way. What you heard this morning, I heard it on the way to church. God is saying, get up, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off and do what I made you to do. Your prophetic destiny is still intact. Your prophetic calling is still intact. Your calling as a teacher to the body of Christ, it's still intact. I don't care what person in the church hurt you. Get up and shake it off. Somebody shout, get up and shake it off. Just get up and shake it off. Come on, shake it off. 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 I'll give God another praise. Lord, God, thank you. We give you all praise and we shake it off. Shake it off every chain, shake it off every bondage. Your prophetic is open again. Your flow is open again. But my flow stopped when I started to pray. There are those of you listening to me. 
I feel your heartbreak. You went into the realm of the spirit and you couldn't flow like you used to flow. But today, it's a brand new day. Shake it off. Your flow is back after today. Somebody give God praise. Your flow is back. Your flow is back. Your flow is back. Somebody shout my flow is back. Come on, shout my flow is back. The prophetic is a the prophetic operating in the spirit. It's a war weapon. Yeah, it is. It's a war weapon. When you say, my flow is back, it's a war weapon. David said, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a shield, spear, but I'm coming to you with a war weapon. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. See, that's going to be the difference this time. That's going to be the difference this time. You're coming back. My flow is back, and I'm going to flow in it. Somebody shout, my flow is back, and I'm flowing in it. I don't care what you think, I'm flowing in it. I don't care what you think, I'm flowing in it. I'm going to give God a praise. I'm flowing in it. I'm flowing in it. glad you joined us. Let this word propel you into the next level. If you want to connect more, go to howardhatcher.com.